Hi, this is Pastor Ryan Spooner. I'm so glad you're listening to our sermon podcast. I hope it's a blessing. If you live in the area, or even if you don't, we would love to have you join us on Sunday morning. We meet at 10.30 a.m. at the Millworks in Willington, Connecticut, 156 River Road. Also, if you'd ever like to help support our church financially, we would be extremely grateful. You can donate through our website, stpaulschurchct.org. Thanks. All right. Well, we are starting a new series today called Christ the Healer. This winter, we're going to be examining the stories of Jesus's healing miracles. And um, if you're familiar with the Gospels, you know that there's a lot of those. We're not going to do every single one, uh, but we're going to try to look at some of the especially interesting ones. They're all interesting, but some of the standouts. Um, I was planning on doing a series on the book of Hebrews. Some of you might have heard me say that. And I do still want to do uh, that series, but uh, Hebrews is a tough book. I'm not quite ready to do it yet, uh, but hopefully I'll get there eventually. So uh, that's still still hopefully going to happen in the future. But this winter, we're looking at the healing miracles. We're going to be studying them and then asking, what do these stories reveal to us? What do they reveal about God, about us, and about what God wants to do in our lives? So the first story we're going to be looking at comes from Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 1. When Jesus came down from the mountainside, large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. Immediately, he was cleansed of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. So this is very early in Jesus's ministry, but even so, he's already being followed by large crowds. And he has caught the attention of a man with leprosy who comes up to him, kneels down before him, says, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Now, we don't know for sure what this man's condition was. Uh, the Greek word that's translated as leprosy here, it can mean a lot of different kinds of skin conditions. Uh, so it could have been a contagious condition, like what we think of when we think of leprosy today. It might have been a non-contagious condition. It might have been something that we would recognize today as an autoimmune disorder. But whatever the case, this man had a visible skin disorder. And because of that, he would have been recognized as unclean according to the standards of the Mosaic Law. And what we need to recognize is that that diagnosis, skin disorder unclean. That was a life-changing diagnosis in those days. In the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus, it says this about people with skin disorders. Anyone with such a defiling disease must wear torn clothes, let their hair be unkempt, cover the lower part of their face, 
and cry out, unclean, unclean. As long as they have the disease, they remain unclean. They must live alone. They must live outside the camp. I've heard that in Jesus' day, in addition to these rules, uh, lepers were expected to wear bells so that if you didn't hear them shouting unclean, unclean, at least you heard the bells and you, know, you recognize, oh, those are leper bells. Lepers were also expected to keep 12 steps of distance from other people wherever they went. So the law required this man to be isolated. He might have been able to hang out with other people with skin disorders if there were others around. But if not, he was otherwise, he was supposed to radically social, social distance, basically, right? And he would not have been allowed to reintegrate into society unless his condition cleared up. I mean, think about this. It's possible that this man had a wife and children that he was no longer able to see because of his condition. It's possible that he had not received any touch from another human being for years. You know, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the five love languages. You know, one of them is physical touch. I don't know what your love languages are, but, you know, regardless of what they are, if you are a human being and you haven't received any touch at all from another human for years, that's going to be tough, even if physical touch is number five on your list. And not only did this condition bring isolation, it also brought shame. Now, I should be clear, the Mosaic law didn't say, well, if you have leprosy, it's because you've committed some egregious sin. But a lot of people assumed, if you've got a condition like this that requires you to be isolated, it must be because you did something wrong and God's punishing you. Uh, we see this attitude reflected even in Jesus' disciples in the Gospel of John. You guys probably remember this moment where they're walking along, they see a man who was born blind, and the disciples ask Jesus, who was born blind? Or, sorry, who sinned? This man or his parents, that he was born blind. So they just assume, clearly, somebody's at fault here, and God's punishing this guy. And Jesus corrects them. He says, no, neither of them sinned. That's, that's not the reason. But that shows us, okay, this was a very ingrained attitude. If somebody has certain physical afflictions, blindness, deafness, leprosy, it must be because God is mad at them. Right, so as this leper walked throughout the town, right, unkempt and shouting unclean, he would have probably thought, oh, I see those people looking at me, and I bet they're imagining in their minds what sort of scandalous thing that I did to deserve this. And so the condition brought not only isolation, but shame. Okay, we also need to recognize the significance of someone being labeled as unclean under the Mosaic Law. Again, it did not necessarily mean that they were guilty of some egregious sin, but to be labeled unclean meant that you could not participate in worship at the temple. There was this idea that there are gradations of holiness, and if you have not done certain things, or if you have done certain things you are no longer considered holy, and therefore you cannot go into the holy place. 
And so for a leper who was not being healed, there would have been a sense that a chasm had opened up, a distance between them and God, that they were somehow unholy and that they couldn't come into the presence of the Lord. And yet, this leper boldly approaches Jesus. Now, were his bells ringing as he got close? Was he yelling unclean? I'm not sure. Did he keep the 12 steps of distance? I don't know. It doesn't say. But what we do know is that the leper got close enough to Jesus to make a profession of faith. Right? He says, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. He has enough faith to recognize that Jesus can make him clean. He's just not sure about whether Jesus wants to do it. Right? Now, Jesus knows the scriptures well, probably better than anybody. He demonstrates that over and over throughout the Gospels. And so he knew the law of Leviticus. He knows the rules around cleanliness and uncleanliness. And that included this from chapter 5 of Leviticus. If anyone becomes aware that they are guilty, if they unwittingly touch anything ceremonially unclean, or if they touch human uncleanness, even though they are unaware of it, but then they learn of it and realize their guilt, they must confess in what way they have sinned. As a penalty for the sin they have committed, they must bring to the Lord a female lamb or goat from the flock as a sin offering, and the priest shall make atonement for their sin. In other words, if you touch someone who is unclean, even unknowingly, if you realize it later, you need to confess your sin and need to offer the appropriate sacrifices to atone. So Jesus knows this, and yet knowing this, he looks at this unclean man, he reaches out his hand, and he touches him. He touches the untouchable. Even though the law says that it is a sin to touch an unclean person, even by mistake, Jesus does it on purpose. This is supposed to be a wow moment when Jesus puts his hand on this leper. He touches him, and then he says, I am willing, be clean. Now here's a question for you. Do you think that Jesus could have healed the leper without touching him? It feels wrong to say no, doesn't it? No, no, Jesus couldn't have done that. Yeah, I mean, Jesus heals people all the time without touching them, as we will see in other stories. There are times where Jesus heals someone who's miles away. He says, you know, go back to your house and your daughter will be healed. So Jesus does not have to touch this man in order to heal him of his leprosy. And if Jesus' main concern is being obedient to the letter of the Mosaic law, then he shouldn't be touching this guy, right? And yet he touches him. 
Because Jesus is trying to reveal some things to us. Important things that we need to recognize. What are those things? What is Jesus doing here? Why does he touch the man? Well, the simplest answer is that Jesus wants to demonstrate mercy to this man. You know, imagine what it would be like to be in this leper's shoes. Years of being ostracized, treated like you're radioactive, cut off from the community. And then this holy man puts his hand on your shoulder. Think of what that would communicate to you, right? It would say, God does not see you as grotesque. God does not see you as an object of scorn and punishment. God wants to restore your dignity. God wants to draw near to you. Through this touch, Jesus is revealing something to us about the heart of God. Okay, we always have to remember, if you've been here for a while, you've heard me say this a million times, but we always have to remember, Jesus is God in the flesh. He is the revelation of what God is like to us. Jesus says, I only do what the Father is doing. He says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So if we want to know what God the Father is like, we cannot, we cannot do any better than looking at Jesus. This is, what it, this is a huge part of what it means to be a Christian. To be a Christian is to be someone who confesses that Jesus Christ is the revelation of God to us. To trust that and believe that. And so through this touch, Jesus is revealing the priority that God gives to mercy, even over law. Now, before I go any further, I just want to clarify something. I want to clarify what I mean by this word mercy. Growing up in church circles, around people who talk about theology and that sort of thing, for a long time, I heard of mercy defined as when someone is spared the punishment they deserve. It was always kind of framed that way. When someone is spared the punishment they deserve. Like if you're speeding, the cop pulls you over, lets you off the hook, that's mercy. That is mercy. Forgiveness is a form of mercy. But the Bible does not define mercy that narrowly. I looked up the Greek word for mercy in my Greek to English dictionary. And there it defines mercy as this, kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. Kindness or goodwill towards the miserable and afflicted, joined with a desire to help them. So biblical mercy is basically compassion and love for those who are in difficulty. For lepers. For sick people. For marginalized people. right? For uh, mentally ill people and people who can't pay the rent. For people who are grieving the loss of someone they love. For people who struggle with addiction. And yes, even for people who are guilty of wrongdoing and need forgiveness, which to some extent is every one of us, right? Mercy is that quality that sees the miserable and afflicted and wants to 
put your hand on their shoulder and give them a hug. Mercy is the quality in a person that sees the miserable and afflicted and wants to console and wants to restore their dignity and wants to see them healthy and whole. That's mercy. And what we see through this touch is a revelation that that quality is central to who God is. God is merciful. A second thing that this touch reveals is what faithfulness to God looks like. Well, what does it look like? It looks like giving priority to mercy. Think about it this way. Jesus is the only sinless person who ever lived, which means that he was always and consistently obedient to the will of his Father, the will of God. He did not sin. And yet, he touched a leper. He let the disciples pick grain on the Sabbath. And when the Pharisees confronted him about that, he defended them. He refused to stone a woman caught in adultery, even though that was the just penalty according to the law. For Jesus, real faithfulness to God meant being a person of mercy. Someone who looked beyond the letter of the law to the spirit of the law, which, Jesus said, can be summed up in two commands. Love the Lord your God with all your, your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. That is the essence of mercy. right? If you're not convinced of what I'm saying here, consider this. Not once, but twice in this gospel, the gospel of Matthew, Jesus quotes what God says in Hosea 6.6. 6. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Jesus says, you've got to learn what this means. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. If you want to look up the context later, that's in Matthew 9.13, and Matthew 12, 7. Now that word, sacrifice, is a shorthand way of referring to the sacrificial system based in the Mosaic Law. And what Jesus is saying is that what God really wants from human beings, what does God really want from us? What God really wants is for us to be people who practice mercy. The thing that he really wants is not these animal sacrifices. It's not the strict adherence to the cleanliness codes. All of that has its purpose in, God's, in the unfolding of God's plan. Paul says that it was like a babysitter to tutor us towards something better. But the ultimate end goal, the goal of the law, is to help us become people of mercy. This is what God really wants. So Jesus touching the leper is a sign of mercy, of the mercy of God, and of the priority of mercy in a life that is faithful to God. But there's something else here, too. Something that this moment reveals that is so beautiful. Normally, 
when a person came in contact with something or someone unclean, they became unclean, right? But in this story, when Jesus comes in contact with someone unclean, what is unclean is cleansed. When Jesus touches a leper, he doesn't become unclean. The leper becomes clean. And when you think about it, that is not the way that things ordinarily work, right? Uh, let's say you've got two white shirts. One's dirty, one's clean. You don't think, oh, I'll clean up this dirty one by touching it to the clean one, right? <laughs> Dirt spreads. Cleanliness doesn't spread, right? That's the way things ordinarily work. And yet, when we bring our dirt to Christ in faith, when we encounter him like this leper did, our dirt is washed away. His holiness spreads to us. Now, one way of thinking about this is to picture our uncleanness like darkness and Christ is like light, which is very fitting Right? At, at Advent, we talked about how Jesus is the light of the world, the light that shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Gospel of John says in the, in the prologue about Jesus that he is the light that gives light to every person come into the world. Now, when light is, is exposed to darkness, it doesn't get darker, right? The darkness is lit up. If you've got two rooms and they're separated by a door, one is dark, one is light, what happens when the door opens? Does darkness flood into the light? No, right? Light floods into the darkness. And that is a great image of what's happening here with Christ in this leper. The leper is in the dark room. But in coming to Jesus, it's like the door between them is opened. And the light of Christ floods into the darkness and drives it out. The light of Christ is stronger than your darkness. The cleansing power of Christ is greater than the dirt in your life. This morning, some of us may feel kind of like that leper. Like we're carrying shame and guilt, or that we have some kind of uncleanness in us. Maybe we're stuck in a pattern of sinful behavior. Maybe we're stuck in an, an addiction of some kind. Maybe we've been living in a way that does not give priority to mercy at all, just selfish kind of lifestyle. Maybe we feel distant from God, like there's a, a chasm that's opened, us, opened up between us and him. This morning, if any of that describes you, I want you to hear Jesus saying the same thing that he said to the leper. I am willing, be clean. Jesus is willing to extend mercy to you. He is willing to forgive. He is willing to bridge the divide between you and him. He is willing to help break your bonds of addiction, willing and able. He is willing to soften your heart 
and transform you into a person of mercy. He is willing to cleanse you and make you holy, willing and able. The question is not, is he willing, but are you willing? Are you willing, like the leper, to come to Jesus and trust that he can make you clean? Are you willing to trust that he really can forgive and transform you by his power? He is able, he is willing to forgive and transform and cleanse and shine his light into our darkness. Let's pray. Lord, we invite you this morning to cleanse us. Lord, if we are trapped in unhealthy patterns, if we become slaves to unforgiveness and bitterness and hatred and anger, Lord, free us. Help us to know and experience your mercy so that we can share it with those around us. Lord, we thank you for giving priority to mercy over law. For loving us enough to touch the untouchables. So Lord, we, we want to say together today, we are willing. Cleanse us. Thank you for your willingness, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.